Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. October is Get Up in the Cool month, which means I'm sharing my conversations and jams with all of old time's heaviest hitters. And in exchange, I'm asking you, my listeners, to help me share the show on Facebook, rate the show on iTunes, and generally use all your collective influence to make Get Up in the Cool break the internet. Like, I don't know, tweet it at the Ava Brothers or something. You're cool people. You have connections. Just leverage it for the greater good, for old time's sake. Also, if the spirit moves you, please sign up to be a sustaining supporter of Get Up in the Cool on Patreon. If you sign up by the end of October, you'll get a Best of 2016 CD, and you'll get to help me decide what's on it. I'm really excited about this episode. I'm still somewhat new to old time, so I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I asked David Bass to be a guest. I now know that he is, in fact, an old-time shaman. The man plays a fiddle like a West African drummer. His musical wisdom just goes really deep. It's untranscribable. I think I did okay, but I was definitely barely holding on. If you want to get the full fly-on-the-wall experience, my new friend Josh Plouffe took video of the tunes. Thanks, Josh. You may be watching me explain this to you on YouTube right now. If not, just search for my channel, Cameron DeWitt, and you'll find it. Anyway, if you're watching this, you'll see David Bass all zenned out in the way that he gets, while I just sort of cringe and wince as I try to keep up. <laughs> Stick around after the interview for details on how to access a bonus video and help support the show. David Bass, everyone, enjoy.
Speaking of Christmas, <laughs> David Bass. Hey. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Get oh, Up thanks. in the Cool. <laughs> well, I just feel like you welcomed <coughs> me into my own show. That was that was sick. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was wonderful. That's a good. That's a good tune. Yeah. Where'd you learn um, that tune, David? That's a. Uh, a lot of people would would call the, the the round peak tune or the style that comes from an area around the north uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina, around the mountains just outside of town. Yeah. And um, there's a I think that I think that most uh, most people in the United States over a certain age have some kind of a conscious um, knowledge buried in their childhood memories of of the Andy Griffith show. Yes. Well, certainly. pretty pretty much <laughs> pretty much uh teach you a lot about what the Round Peak region yeah. was about. Yeah. And the one of the particular characters that that represented the the uh, the the spirit of Round Peak was Ernest D. Bass. And um, Andy Andy would have to climb the mountain and go up because he was causing trouble. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> throwing throwing rocks at people and that was that was the nature and the character of the mountain people <laughs> um you know homemade homemade liquor yeah um throwing rocks um that's playing fiddle on the banjo really really uh was a big part of it which was also depicted the darlings were the the family of people that also came down the hills, down, you know, down from the from the mountain, and came and uh, played music at Eddie's mm-hmm. little cop shop. I think I've seen at least a few episodes where there was some heavy jamming going on. <laughs> if, if you want to, if you want to see the best of the Andy Griffith show, there's um oh what's what's that guy's name? Uh, Bob Denver. Who played Gilligan on Gilligan's Island? Huh. Does a little dance and sings a verse <laughs> to bow them cabbage down. Yeah. And just look that up on the like the Andy Griffith show, like boil they boil yeah, yeah boil them cabbage boil them cat boil the boil them cabbage or whatever yeah what, however they they spell the tune. And there's a great there's a great <laughs> little little thing of like yeah Gilligan knew his mountain music yeah. It's pretty cool. Well, what kind of dancing does he do on that episode? Oh, just a little chicken wing square dance. Just a little thing. chicken wing square dance. Perfect. He, he grabs the he grabs the prettiest girl girl in the room and yeah. does a little strut. <laughs> that of all the things I thought you would mention, uh, I was not expecting Andy Griffith reference well, right out the gate. <laughs> now we can get to the real like you know the real kind of meat meat and potatoes of the old time music from that region. Yeah. We'll talk about real. <laughs> Real people that that lived and played the music. Right on. Tommy Gerald was one of my one of my big heroes and inspiration, and he definitely played that tune and made recordings of it. Yeah. Uh, Fred Cockerham was a fiddle player and a banjo player, and if you you know dig through the internet and and it, so much of this is posted on YouTube now. Yeah. Uh, both the recordings that they made on on records and people's field recordings that have been posted videos of spontaneous jam sessions where Tommy Gerald was playing at, you know, different locations. Yeah. Um, Also, some of the other, some of the names of the other fiddle players, and this was a common tune that they played in that region, 
So all the all the fiddle players, like all the fiddlers, would have played it and probably at some point recorded it. So I would, you know, I would list in the you know the top list of the Round Peak or the Mount Airy, North Carolina of fiddle players would be you know Tommy Gerald, Fred Cockrum, yeah, uh, Kyle Creed, yes, was known as a banjo player and he built banjos and most of those guys played played Kyle Creed, a Kyle Creed built banjo. Yeah. He was also a great fiddle player. Mm. And if you, you know, if you hear, if you're, you know, get your hands there, hear some of the recordings of Kyle Creed playing the fiddle, it just broadens your understanding of like, oh, that's, that's, you know, another element of round peak music where it sounds the same, but it sounds different and it's cool. And it, it just, just a little bit, you know, just another expansion of like, you know, understanding you know those tunes and how how the local people expressed the same tune over and over each person in a different slightly different way but you know always with that same you know you recognize the accent from yeah you know from western north carolina or from eastern virginia and, and this is like these tunes had a s- specific accent and that's you know why we could you know why we can recognize like a regional style is there any way you can uh like yeah, what? Oh, Ernest it, Ernest East is another important hmm. fiddle player, and and he had a he had a band that that made some recordings, and they had great singing. Ernest East and the Pine Ridge Boys. What? Uh, yeah, what separates Round Peak fiddling from other uh, from other traditions, other isolated uh, counties? A huge range of mountains. Well, yeah, but <laughs> musically, <laughs> if you drive if you drive from from Mount Airy up to up to Galax, Virginia, it's it's what like twenty miles or something, yeah. and two thousand feet. Yeah. So that's the that's at that time what what separated you know some people like there's one sort of pocket a group of families on one side and another group on the other and they they traveled back and forth you know probably you know people had had business and went up over the mountain on like once or twice a week or there might have been some you know merchants or, or or teamsters that were going every day but um, it was. You know, going even back to the 1950s, it was, you know, it was tough, tough to get across. Yeah. Until they, I don't know when did they build 77. Like I don't know. Interstate <laughs> Highway. I'm from Oregon, so yeah. my <laughs> geography and yeah. geographical history and. You know. <laughs> so you know the a lot of the same tunes, a lot of the same tunes, w- would have been played in Galax, Virginia. Yes. And then up, you know, some of those other like nearby communities and stuff, but there would have been a slightly different way and people could describe, you know, some of the, you know, some of the differences in the way the thing sounded or the Boeings and yeah. stuff. But, you know, the, you know, proximity and travel was, was an important part, but yes. then you also get, you know, one town and you go to the next town, it's like, it's like the people, like there's a list of names, you know, it's like real people that played the music yeah. and that's what made, that's what made these tunes special. And then also Tommy liked to point out that the reason that they had so much good music there was on account of the water. Hmm. And it, because it takes good water to make good whiskey. Yeah. And they had really good water there. <laughs> <laughs> when you have whiskey, there's a, always going to be a lot of music. Yeah. That Amen. Was his, that, was his, <laughs> that was his. That was his understanding that he shared, and that was probably a pretty accurate um, yeah. assessment of why there were so many fiddle players. Yeah. They got together and, and partied and had a good time and they had they had a 
you know, there was a purpose behind, you know, the, you know, they had a, a really good place to make corn liquor, and as yeah. soon as they started making liquor, there was a purpose. They had a purpose to, you know, get the instruments out. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, I know that my I just started learning to fiddle, and uh, when I've had a drink or two, I I think I start playing better. I loosen up, and I stop using my brain as much, and just. Actually, listen. There's a there's a point of diminished returns. There certainly is. Yeah. But there's a there's that little. It's the opposite when I play banjo because then I start playing stupid, <laughs> <laughs> try to play too loud and, yeah. There's a little there's a little just, you know, you know, get you going. That's what I appreciate about the, the the culture of, alcohol consumption at Clifftop and old time in general. No one's no one's falling on the floor. I'm never worried about anyone. You know, they're just. I've done that once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't had to walk anybody back to a tent because everyone ultimately wants to just have a good time, and uh, they're not trying to not trying to drown out their showers with alcohol. They're trying to drown have it fun. out with tunes. <laughs> well, we're having we're having fun, so we left the we left those those issues way back yeah. behind us at home, and it's it's a party, and that's yeah. that's the point of like the liquor is that once you make once you make liquor. Then you have a party, and people bring the instruments, and it just—you know—the more the more liquor you have, the longer the party's gonna last, and the more more tunes you're gonna play, and they got they got pretty good. Yeah. But it, it's a it's a hand in hand. Yeah. So, anyways, that's that's a that's a round peak style, which is a big influence. You know, I a lot of the way that I play, and I've I've studied and done a lot of research. I'm a you know, kind of geeky, his, history geek, and yeah. this musicology, but the, you know, I've spent a lot of time listening, put a lot of effort and energy into studying these round peak fiddle players. I've met met a lot of the guys and hung out, listened at the Mount Airy Fiddlers Convention, which happens on the first week of June, the first weekend in, in June in Mount Airy, North Carolina, at the Veterans Memorial um, Park. I went last year. I missed it this year. Had to work. Yeah. Well, that's. Did you really have to work? I uh, this time I really did. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I'm making it to everything else, but I. Th- so. I was. I, yeah. I'm, I'm. I don't have the sticker now, so I'm going to be missing a year. There's these. <laughs> <laughs> that OCD part of my. You, they put a sticker on your windshield yeah. of like 47th annual, 48th, and went last year and I missed this year so I'm gonna have an awkward little tell, gap tell them don't tell them to leave a space yeah leave a space and I'll just put a new sticker that just says I'm sorry but just you know just that, that you're missing one just just to know that you're missing one just like leave a blank space yeah. and then put the next one I might do that if hopefully I don't have to work next year and uh well that's, you know that's I was gonna just say that please the round peak the Boeing styles and the way they the way that those guys played a lot of that, you know, I'll, I'll play tunes and we're, we're going to play some tunes and some other styles. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, as far as like, you know, accuracy and stuff, you know, I really like to, you know, take take different ideas from a group of group of people and kind of push it, you know, bring it together. And, and I'm not trying to play like any one fiddle player, but I'm trying to play, play it, you know, create, you know, create the style or create the understanding of the style. But when I'm playing these tunes outside of the round peak style, a lot of that will like, I'll use the Boeings in that drive and it'll kind of creep into like, you know, West Virginia or Kentucky teams. Sure. And so that's just part of, you know, it's become part of my style. Yeah. As a sort of like, you know, revivalist or, you know, kind of old time fiddle player. I, 
you know, kind of that's it's just the way that I yeah. way that I play in the natural most natural way that I can play the fiddle. There's also other little things that have, that slip into my you know, whatever you call it, the North Carolina tunes that I play. But. I think playing with you is really good for me. I uh, I I come from, you know, like a classical piano and music theory background. Yeah. So like I I often get a little too interested in the game of trying to play the notes, which isn't yeah. traditionally what the banjo is supposed to do, play all the fiddle notes. But when I play with you, I just can't because <laughs> you're you're playing a lot more than notes. And uh, you, the patterns you're using, I get a little hypnotized and I have to just stop thinking about it as hard. I start thinking about holding that rhythm more and less yeah. about w the pitches. And I think that's good for me. I want to play more with you this week <laughs> for my old time my old time brain well get educated let's do let's do a west virginia tune yeah man the uh you piney you piney mountain um that's a another one of those there's a lot of you know we can list list names and uh west virginia there's a lot of old fiddle players and uh the one one or two that are my favorite are the you know the carpenter fiddle players ernie carpenter i met him when i was a teenager and drove from Ohio to, to Glenville, West Virginia, and then a little bit older than Ernie, and a um, French carpenter had passed away before I started coming coming to festivals. And so I, you know, I've studied recordings of both of these guys. Hmm. I met Ernie Carpenter, and it was sort of like a, one of those kind of, you know, sort of like the, you know, it seems like this, you know, the whole, you know, history of the, geology of the earth coming out of a fiddle the spiritual spiritual yeah crazy ethereal sound yeah well let me get uh let me tune up my d string i mean my second string real quick then i'll be ready to go so you you pit piney mountain is a it's a modal or sort of a minor-ish sound and um there's some irish irish music that has similar scales and stuff but if you take time to listen to these tunes and compare compare it to uh, some of the Native American singing that they do at the powwows, or if you really if you really want to understand where some of these weird modal West Virginia tunes yeah. that are crooked, listen to Native American flute playing. Okay. It's a lot slower than the way that I play, but this is the the people up in the mountains up here were very close to the Native Americans. They, 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 they fought and killed each other. They intermarried and had children. Yeah. And they, they got together and, and, um, you know, traded and, and they. I haven't heard. Played, they played music and some of the Native Americans, you know, became Americanized and were actually in the 20th century, you know, playing fiddle tunes. I haven't heard anyone draw any comparisons between Native American music and, and this. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. That makes so much sense. Listen, listen, and if you really wanna, if you really wanna hear it, go listen to some Native American traditional flute playing. Yeah. Because that's where the these that's where you'll hear these melodies and scales. Y'all have your homework. This is this is a theory. I have no proof. I have no nothing to like really prove my statement other than try to you can. Experience that for yourself. Do your own research and some ethnomusicologists make this your thesis. Okay. Native American flute music and and uh, <laughs> they don't prove anything to me. <laughs> but it's worth it's worth 
talking about. Sure. And it's worth writing about, whatever. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's real. That tune is bonkers. <laughs> what a ride. She's Louise. I, uh, yeah. When I first heard you play it, I was trying to, it's like trying to count it. I just can't count it. It's uncountable. <laughs> At least not in the moment. Uh, but I started to feel it. 
Yeah, it's easy to it's easy to find the meter when you realize that it just goes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like that. <laughs> it never stops. Yeah. That keeps going. Foot keeps tapping. If you start, if you try to count to four, you'll, you'll right. Uh, really, you really mess yourself up. Well, that's why that uh, you know that Milliner Koken book. Um. Uh, Claire Milliner and Walt Koken, they like transcribed all those tunes. Uh, they have like 1,400 tunes. You heard of this? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're just... No, I'm just like transcribing that tune would be. Yeah, yeah, it would was... be crazy. Because, well, they don't play it. They're not likely to play it the same way. The same way yeah, sure. twice and stuff like that. But they, well, in, their, in their transcriptions, there's no bar lines. Oh, great. Yeah, which I think is beautiful. <laughs> They're just like, <laughs> let's admit. If it's the moment we start making bar lines, it's we're destroying the music. It's already enough enough of a sacrifice to try to transcribe it at all. So yeah, they're yeah. like, let's at least just do no bar lines. That's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just a great mar- marriage of uh, archiving and uh, uh, and anarchy. It's <laughs> cool. Um, how did you get into playing old time music? I don't, I don't know anything about oh, it, you. It's such a it's such a <laughs> It's such a weird story. It's it's been told and written about somewhere or another once or twice, but um, now it's being told again. I I played I played violin. I had some violin lessons, Suzuki lessons, and classical lessons. And I can get off on the whole tangent of like, well, I just didn't really get into the classical music scene. Sure. Like competition and how? When was this? Um, I was like seven. Okay. Or seven, something. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. So, so like I, two years I was doing had a Suzuki teacher, and then I think like two years. So, you know, so by the time I was eleven or twelve, I'd quit playing violin, I think. And uh, I had these health issues in Cleveland, Ohio. There's there's a big uh, university hospital where I spent a lot of time when I was a kid. Mm. And um, and there's a like next to the hospital, which is like a big one of these big like hospital complexes. There, there's like a half a dozen different you know, hospitals in the whole, like, um, you know, there was like a, you know, women's and women's and children's hospital that did maternity. They had a psych, psych, psychiatric that was a whole, like, separate, you know, building a different hospital. All the, all the hospitals are connected through, like, underground basements that the tunnels. I mean, this is like a university, like a big university hospital. Yeah, yeah. Like the, um, so, so across the street from, like, the edge, of the hospital where where we would drive to get to the clinic where I would see my my cardiologist when I was not in the hospital there was a there was a little store called Goose Acres Folk Music Center and they had this funny sign with a goose playing a banjo yeah <laughs> and my mom was into music and I was taking lessons and playing and and so um my mom actually like busted me out one time and we I went in there in a wheelchair and and then they were like, oh, come back. You know, I can't remember Thursday night or Friday night when they were having a jam session. Yeah. So we went back over there and, and um, you know, a bunch, a bunch of those characters are, are here. Um, Bobby Smacula, Pete Smacula yep. was his dad. Bobby lives in West Virginia now and he's, um, he'll be here at this festival, like doing instrument sales and, and re- he's a you know, exceptionally well-renowned luthier, especially yes. in the folk music and yeah. and old-time music scene. And um, so, so Pete, you know, Pete was in the front of this like retail area of the store, 
with all the students around in a circle playing playing the tune slow and stuff and then when you walk into the back the back end of the building where the where the luthier shop was there was bob smacula and his friends and at this time that that guy was probably like 22 years old and he was already gaining a reputation as being a good a good guy to bring your guitar to kevin enoch was working with those guys at some point and you know he was back there playing a banjo and and um actually kevin not, might not have been working with them yet there was a bunch of bunch of people playing old-time music and bluegrass and cajun music they were back back there drinking beer and doing other things and it was kind of like a in a classical world nobody would have a violin with a beer set next to their case yeah or anywhere in the room and it was just like the idea of playing music just for fun yeah was something that i had not seen and it was just like the real thing yeah this was like where i had to like escape yeah the classical scene of like you know the seat behind you breathing down your neck yeah and and you know challenges the orchestra challenges are coming up and you're going to lose your seat and your yeah. teacher is going to give you the hell to pay for it mm. and um so that was like these these guys are like playing music for they for you know they're just the love of it yeah, there was none of that. There was none of that attitude, but the, you know, the whole like spirit and nature of the music was like, I think, elevated. Now, there's, in the classical scene, there's people that have incredible passion for, for that for, for that music, and, you know, that's. You know, I just it didn't happen. Yes. You know, it didn't happen in, in with with my experience. I got I got into this folk music. Well, yeah. Ultimately, you have to yeah. you, for any music, you have to have someone just uh, exuding love and enthusiasm about yeah. it, as a, and you see it as a child often, and t to to really develop yeah. a taste for it and to understand it, because you have yeah. to see the way that it affects other people, and then know that it can affect you that way. Yeah. And you have to be inspired by watching other people's inspiration, and some people get that for classical, but there's something that's you know, you don't really see a lot of old time players who are just like shaded by the music or the <laughs> culture. They're like, no, I'm doing this until I die. You know, yeah. that's how I feel. Yeah. I'll play this June apple. Yeah. Yeah. Let's play this June apple. That was a good story. That's exactly. I, now I feel all inspired. Little, little Davy Bass getting out of the, getting out of his hospital room on a wheelchair. Go to a local folk music store. That's what the show's about. Here's a tune called June Apple. This is another round peak tune. Tommy, Fred, be a good, good uh, experience to. Look them up and hear them play this tune. June Apple.
But no, I got dead air isn't good. I just need to like process that for a minute. <laughs> being, a, being a bad radio personality. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, what's next, man? What do you want to play next? Oh, um, got a story this behind a this tune, one. Um, it's an awful name. I don't like the name of this tune very much, but it's such a good tune. It's called Indian Squaw. Yeah. Which that just is, means like a uh, Native American woman, right? Isn't that what squaw means? I don't know what it means. <laughs> it's uh, it's just not a very good word. All right. Is it derogatory? Is it a white person word for Native American? Pretty much. Pretty I much? I mean, okay. they're all white people words. 
Right. I mean, Indian. Come on. Sure. Well, I mean, Lenape isn't a white person Native. word. Yeah. A what? Lenape isn't a white person word. Like, I don't know which ones are white people words, which ones are First yeah. Nations people words, you know. Yeah, yeah. But squaw, bad word. <laughs> bad word. Good tune. Not tasteful. Good tune. <laughs> that sums up most old-time music. Yeah. <laughs> so be it. But, um, this, uh, the tune comes from a, a guy named Ed Haley. And as, as much as I know about Ed Haley, I think he started in West Virginia and then moved. Is it, I thought somebody was, we have a little audience. I thought somebody was going <laughs> to raise their hand and class and give me <laughs> Ed Haley. Well, John says Kentucky. I believe he, he, he came from West Virginia and, and moved. So when you look at his repertoire, there's, um, you know, a bunch of West Virginia teams that you recognize and then a bunch of Kentucky teams. And he was quite a he was quite a like intense musician and you know very you know scholarly and and you know professional mm. player for the you know the 1920s and stuff it was yeah it, he was a he was on the real top of the game and I, I think some people talk about Ed Haley as being sort of like a like the where the certain styles of music that went into like like contest fiddling and bluegrass yeah. and stuff started from just some of the in- intensity of the way that he like, you know, played tunes and seemed to like progress like into like just more and more and more just like it's it's hard to really describe it. Yeah, he was, you know, sort of like a just a very important American fiddle player. <laughs> um, it's a whole whole um, yeah, it's it's a whole nother um, whatever you call it. A degree program to yeah finish <laughs> finish what what I don't know about it Haley. yeah uh, let me uh, let me tune real quick I banged on that last okay. tune real hard so I think I'm out of tune. I'm gonna let you take this first pass. All right. Thank you. 
Squaw. <laughs> there it is. That's a cool tune. That's that's worth a <laughs> that's that's worth a slightly uh, politically incorrect title, I think. Personally, not that I suffer anything for it. <laughs> Maybe I should. I don't know. I mean, that's a killing tune. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that ride. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to Get Up in the Cool on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcatching app you use. David requested I tell you that his crew is playing a rowdy square dance for Girls Rock on October 18th. I included a link in this episode's description. David says to look out for the next rowdy square dance to happen in the Durham or Triangle area. So if you want to party, you know where to go. Jody Kreskel, my guest from last week, just updated his website with a new old-time record for sale with Luke Richardson. Just go to jodykreskel.com slash buy underscore stuff dot html or just jodykreskel.com and then click on the buy stuff tab and click on the picture of his new CD, Waiting for the Boatsman. They do a roll them Simmons. It's just beautiful. I'm so glad that tune is making its rounds. Everyone learn how to play that tune. If you can play an instrument, play Roll Them Simmons or Roll Them Simmons. Pete Comley signed up last week to support Get Up In The Cool on a weekly basis through Patreon. So he gets to check out this week's exclusive bonus track of me and David Bass playing an extra tune, also caught on video by Josh Plouffe. Thank you again, Josh. And thank you, Pete. Just a reminder, anyone who signs up on Patreon to support the show will get to help choose the contents of Get Up In The Cool's Best Of 2016 album and get a CD in the mail. Now is the time. Just go to CameronDuet.com and click on the button that says Patreon. Or, you know, if you're on a computer, just click right here-ish. Somewhere around here it should say Patreon. Uh, finally, here's this week's Get Up In The Cool call to action. This is easy. Everyone can do this. When I first started releasing the show, I spammed all the old-time related groups uh, on Facebook, and the moderators were irritated because, yes, it technically was self-promotion, although to me, it's just old-time promotion and old-time proliferation. Anyway, I've chilled out on sharing it on those groups, but it's not self-promotion if you share it on your favorite old-time folk or bluegrass Facebook group. This is one of the most effective ways of sharing stuff on Facebook because it bypasses all the algorithms and etc., which is why the moderators of these groups are real protective of the content that gets posted, and I get that. But no one's going to put up a fuss if you put in a good word for the show. All right. Tune in next week for more Get Up in the Cool. Nikos Pappas is up next. It's going to be a hoot, I promise. See you then.